Welcome to Real Everyday People, an Eladio Nino podcast. You either die the hero or see yourself become the villain. See too many dark nights and light the way you're living. They got me living. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is the El Nino podcast. I'm Eladio Nino, and this is Real Everyday People. I want to thank everybody for tuning in, everybody that's watching, everybody that's sharing and subscribing. I want to please ask all my family and my friends, please take the time to share this with people. You know, I'm trying to I'm trying to get somewhere, so please support my mission. Um, also, um, before I start the show, I want to send, you know, um, you know, some love to, you know, my uncle Ruben had passed away last week. So, you know, I want to send my prayers up, you know, um, for my family, you know, that's going to have some healing and, you know, we're going to be at his wake tomorrow. So, you know, much love to my, my uncle Ruben Romero. He's the first uncle I've lost on my father's side. Um, you know, my, my family, they, the Romero family come from Corktown neighborhood over on Church Street. They, you know, came up with the old stilettos and the Bagley boys and all that. So, you know, anybody that knows, you know, my uncle knows that, you know, we come from, you know, good stock and good family. Um, also, I wanted to thank uh, Evelina, you know, for having us and, 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 and coming to Lit, Lit Entertainment um, um, Studios and, and doing a great interview with us and a great performance. We appreciate you. And also to Enrique Garcia with his uh, Word on the Street podcast. Thank you for having uh, me and Jose as guests. It was, it was a great experience. I appreciate the love and support. Um, today, I've got, you know, um, a, a, a here who was a friend who turned into a brother from another mother. And he's got a great story of, of trial, turning trial and, and to, into triumph. And uh, this brother is very much accomplished. He is a man of many titles. And, uh, you know, I'm honored to be able to sit here with this brother and have him share his story with you guys. Uh, this is my brother, Mario Bueno. Pleasure to be here. My man. Humble to be here. Yup, no doubt about it, man. So, uh... So tell us a little bit about, you know, where you were born, where you're from. So originally I was born in Pontiac, Michigan, um, to, a, to a mother that, that migrated from Cuba at age 17 and to a father who came from Ecuador. Um, lived a little bit in, in Mexico for a few years. What, what part of Mexico? Um, at Acapulco. Acapulco. Yeah, my father had got transferred there. Um, came back, lived back in Pontiac, and, and right, right around... Right, right around age uh, nine, eight, nine years old, moved to Miami for a few years. Came back again to Pontiac, and uh, at 16, unfortunately, that's when I committed my crime and, and um, began to know the Michigan Department of Corrections for the next, from 16 to 36, which, you know, a lot of people ask, where are you from, where are you from? And, mm-hmm. you, know, um, I, I, you know, I was challenged uh, uh, at 36 when I came home with, with really understanding where I was from, because all I knew was the Department of Corrections. Mm-hmm. But, you know, when I came home in 2014, um, I, I looked at Detroit as ground zero. And, and when I say ground zero, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm referring to the, the plight, the fight, and the, the, the battle with transforming the criminal justice system. Mm-hmm. Right? So, so now I, 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 I think I can safely say and comfortably say that Detroit is my home. You know, that, that, I think that's where I'm from. And, and, and I think you can, I can, I can safely agree with you. Uh, when I came home, 
uh, Mario Bueno was the man in Southwest Detroit, boy. You know what I'm saying? Every everybody knew who Mario Bueno was, and everybody had something good to say. Um, you you have contributed to the community. You took care of business, and uh, you know I, I appreciate it. You know what I'm saying? Because since we were both on the inside together, we were pillars in there, and we come out here and we still stand as tall as pillars in our community, man. I I, I remember though one incident. As a matter of fact, I was able to get together with some youngsters. And, and I was introduced to somebody, and they said, yeah, you know Eladio Nino? I was like, yeah, that's a, that's a brother of mine. I, you had just Jay, sent me an email through JPay. Okay. And, and, I, and I recall we, we used to build through JPay before you came home. Yeah, yeah, and, 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 and I was very excited to see and witness uh, your potential unravel, right? So that's mm -hmm. why I am excited to be here. And, and I, I didn't think twice about accepting the offer. And, and, and I'm, it was one of your young cousins that, okay. that I had been actually breathing on and and I, I hope, hopefully, planting some good seeds, um, and, and you know, it all comes full circle, you know. Mm -hmm. and, and you know, I, I appreciate you saying I came home and you know put in work and, and did this and did that. But I think you know, as the law of physics says, you know, an object in motion stays in motion, and an object at rest stays at rest. And so, what you witness and what you're witnessing, for example, with with men such as yourself, is that 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 object in motion. Like we were in motion before. We came home, mm -hmm. you know, and, and, and I think, uh, you know, our experience together and collectively uh, being pulled into the organization that transformed influential men on the Jackson Yard. And, 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 and then we were given the, the task and, and, and the challenge to then teach and try to transform uh, the rest of the population. Um, it, it, we were also, uh, for example, I, I was uh, reminiscing recently about how. We were called from, uh, uh, you know, the administration called us in. It was, uh, uh, I think, Jose Rivera, yourself, and myself. And we were asked to, to put together an a organiza a, a, a organization that's recognized by the administration for Latinos. Yes. Because summer was uh, quickly approaching, and we had, a, what, about 100 Latinos on the prison yard. Yes. And, 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 and the warden was concerned about, you know, when you have 100 uh, Latinos on a prison yard that are bored, it becomes yeah, kind of volatile. Yes. Absolutely. So I was reminiscing about that fact that, you know, I was blessed to have that experience with, 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 with you two. And then, you know, we were able to, for example, for Cinco de Mayo, put together a good uh, uh, entertainment for the, uh, the population. That's when um, Michael Reyes came in. Yeah, right? Michael and then, Reyes. And then he came in a second time for free. And then the third time he came in was because you, being the head of that organization, Lasso, invited mm. me and Rick, Rick Speck, mm -hmm. and as a keynote speaker, nine months after I was parole, I, I was that out was parole. Amazing. I was out parole coming into the very prison that released me, <laughs> being a keynote speaker for mm -hmm. my brother, who's now the the, the 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 head of this organization that we were called to create several years prior. Mm -hmm. And so, so, so I think the, the the takeaway that I want to highlight from that is that. Sure enough, there's there's certain seeds that you'll sow uh, from which you'll eat off that bitter fruit for the rest of your life. For example, me taking Samuel's life, right? So, so either I walk into a room and I, and, and either that, that door is slammed in my face. For example, I can't find a, um, a place to stay because I, a felon can't, can't sign a, um, an apartment lease. Or I can't work for yeah. Uber. Or, or the inverse, right? The, the, the other side of the spectrum is you walk into a room and now you're, a zoo, uh, you're, you're the zoo animal, right? Like, mm -hmm. tell your story a lot of you. My point is that uh, um, the, 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 the major takeaway, the major takeaway is that 
so too you can plant good seeds. And, and, and yes. so, so while I cannot, I cannot ever, I cannot ever uh, find equity, uh, balance, or make up for what I did at age 16, mm -hmm. I have, uh, by the grace and glory of God, uh, being transformed, I think, uh, hugely influential by my parents, right? Because, you know, the, the, the prison was the proverbial stick that I needed. You know, I, I was that 16-year-old stick-up kid that was angry at the world, right? Mm -hmm. and, but, but also, the, 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 I think the danger in sending youth to, to confinement is that most of them do not have that, that, that parental love that, 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 mm -hmm. that comes also with resources. For example, I had a mother that could come and visit me every week if, she, if, mm -hmm. if I was allowed. I had a father that could provide for my education, um, so my point is that I also had that proverbial carrot, right? So, so it's not that uh, I'm so much better than anyone else or, or, or you. Like, I, like it, 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 you, we had the nurturing coupled with the, the harshness of, of, of prison. And, and, and I can't help but say that um, I did need every, every day of that 20 years, you know? And, 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 and I was able to begin to start sowing good seeds. That, that now I see the fruit thereof uh, uh, manifesting and coming to fruition. And, and so, I remember when that came to fruition. We were at JCS, and you were on your way out the door, and, um, and you were doing exercising and stretching, and I was doing my, my bear crawls in the gym. And I remember asking you, like, like, brother, are you ready? You know what I'm saying? Are you anxious? And you were so humble and so mindful about your situation. And you was like, you know, I deserve everything that I got every moment, every minute, every day. You know what I'm saying? Serves its purpose, you know, because every day you wake up as a student, as before we woke up as convicts and lived as prisoners. But then we woke up with, with, with the conscious mind. We looked at our situation as if we were in school, transformed our mentality in the students and became teachers. You know, I, 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 the, the fact that you brought that up, I remember that day. Because uh, my anxiety level was so high that I was doing three a days. I was working out. I was doing like the, <laughs> the, the Floyd May, Mayweather, right? I was doing three a days. And so, um, you know, and I remember telling you, you said, are you ready yet? And I still had probably like, you know, like 16 days or something like that. Mm -hmm. I said, no. And you looked at me crazy. And I said, I still got 16 days left. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to need every single day. To be to prepare, yeah. and I and I remember, I remember one day sitting in the cube, you know, and and, and, the, and the deputy ward would put all youngsters around us, you know, like talking about 17, 18, 19 year old uh, prisoners that that you know, yeah, for the lack of a better term, they should be called can't get right. Remember from, <laughs> yeah. from the movie Life, right? Can't get yeah. right, but 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 we were, you know, you become like the ones you're around the most, and so. We were blessed with the experience of being able to be a light unto the darkness for these men. And so I remember the youngsters watching me because I was, I was called off the prison yard, right? I was called. So you're looking at someone who was kicked out of nine of the 16 institutions, you know, a deemed incorrigible three year solitary confinement before the age 21. And so you're, you're, you're looking at somebody who um, um, was transformed, but I lost all my good time. So when I was transformed and I began to teach and I stopped trying to knock the door down, right? And, and, yeah. and, 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 and instead, yeah. I became greater than the space that held me, right? right? Like when, yes. when, you, add, when yes. you add and multiply and you add so much value, the very space cannot continue anymore. So I was called off the prison yard and I was told, uh, um, I remember Rick and Cam were sitting in the counselor's office and 
the counselor said, do you waive your 30-day notice? The parole board wants to see you in 13 days. And I remember looking at Rick and, Rick and Cam, and, and, and they said, you're going home, bro. And I told the counselor, I said, get the hell out of here. Right? Mm -hmm. so, yeah. so, so sure enough, I seen the parole board in 13 days. Now, now, mind you, you, you know, it takes six months to prepare your, your file to see the parole board. So I didn't even have a recommendation letter. Mm -hmm. right? and, and, and so now uh, I'm being called uh, um, to answer for, for what a 16-year-old did. You know, so so with that being said, uh, um, um, the, obviously the pro, the pro interview went, went went extremely well. I think that I've accepted responsibility for falling so short, right? To sin just simply means to fall short, and so and so I was able to because of my good behavior get pushed out of prison and, 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 and it, so quickly that I think it was traumatic. So I remember the youngsters in the queue watching me during these several weeks. And, and I found myself uh, being concerned. Mm -hmm. And so I remember one of the youngsters who came out and became one of the strongest men in the nation, uh, uh, Ryan Belcher, phenomenal dude. I still, his true story in, in the first book that I wrote, the memoir, the, the night before, he, he's, he's a real big, huge white guy. Mm -hmm. And he was having some challenges in the housing unit and I had him moved as my bunkie. I had, I had the influence and the grace to be able to do that. And so he's a big guy, right? And I, I, so I remember, you know, he's climbing on the top bunk. I'm like, hey, yo, hey, come on. don't be shaking that bunk after 9 o'clock, dog. And I'm like, I hope he, I hope he doesn't, uh, you know, boss up, boss up on me. I got to act tough. You, you three times, all right, Mario, I'm sorry. <laughs> but anyways, the night before I'm getting released, he calls me inside the day room. And this, this huge, this, 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 this mountain of a man, young man, right, is crying and saying, I know I, I, I want you to go home, but I want you to know that, that you're the most positive man. He said, you and Rick, you're the most positive man that I ever had in my life. Now, mind you, this kid had a football scholarship to play, to play college football and ended up catching 280-something robberies with his own father. Wow. Had fell into alcoholism. So, that, so, so we're talking about a kid who, who lacked a fundamental uh, um, um, positive male role model, right? And so mm -hmm. he picks me up off my feet crying. The night before, I went home, and I give you my word, as I walked back down, my, down, that, down that hallway, back to my cube, it was then that I realized this was all for an intended purpose. Literally, the day before I'm being released, That's that awakening. It, it hit me that you got a mission. It, not, it all makes sense. It all makes sense. It all makes for sense. Sure. So, so, so that was, it was that man that asked me, that young man asked me, Hey, Mark, in front of the, the youngsters, I remember they were getting ready for lunch. I mean, you know, you know, after you got 20 years and you don't go to child anymore, he says, are you, are you scared to go home, Mario? In front of all the youngsters. And I sat there and I thought about you. Just like when you asked me in the gym, mm -hmm. are, are you ready? Mm -hmm. And I looked at him. Without even looking at him, I was looking at TV. I said, no, nah, I ain't scared to go home. I said, I'm scared to lose what I find. Contentment. Wow. That's dope. That's powerful, bro. I, 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 I had a trepidation that I was going to lose that 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 that, that, that state of to where I could tell you you could just put me in solitary man I don't even care mm -hmm. I got my books I do my workout it doesn't matter to me mm -hmm. so I, I was I was I was in trepidation mode of of being attached to to things that aren't permanent and that's what leads to suffering being attached to anything that ain't permanent mm -hmm. I learned that while I was in segregation for a couple months got caught with a knife I was at Earth. 
seeking for something, you know what I'm saying, outside of my environment. Found a Buddhist book. Yeah. It talks about how we were the number one cause of our own grief through attachment. The four Being attached truths. to everything. You yeah. attach your clothes, your jewelry, yeah. people, things, emotions, thoughts, ideas, you know, objects, all that type of stuff. It's funny you said that because that's how I actually got out of Ojibwe. I got on the Buddha diet. So, so, so <laughs> yeah. I, I studied three Buddha books. <laughs> got the Ken Ross. Oh, man. And then, but the thing about it is you do it shooting a movie and then actually learn something yeah. out of no, it. No, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. absolutely. So tell me, what are a couple of your favorite books that you read over the years while you were in prison? So, so um, I think the one that really shifted my paradigm and my belief system and how I view myself and the world around me was the autobiography of Nelson Mandela. So mm -hmm. when I was, I was about 20, I want to say I just turned 21. I was 21, I had did about a year in solitary up in Steamboat at Earth. Mm -hmm. and my mother sends me the autobiography of Nelson Mandela. So I start reading about a man who was working in coal mines for like 15 hours a day to pay for himself to go through law school. He could only afford maybe one meal a day so he could free his people. Mm -hmm. And it was at that moment I realized, man, I'm a piece of, mm -hmm. I'm a piece of, like I, I'm, I'm sitting here angry at the world, right? Uh, for woe is me, uh, you know, mm -hmm. um, looking out the window instead of in the mirror for exactly uh, the, the root cause of, of where I am. And it was because of who I was, right? Mm -hmm. And so I realized at that moment that, you know, I'm, 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 a, I'm a robber, uh, stick-up kid killer who's angry at the world, who has had an opportunity to, uh, to educate himself because my father offered that opportunity when I was about 18. Um, first two years of my incarceration, I quit. I quit those books. I couldn't see a 22-year sentence. And so it was at that moment, uh, after reading that book and, and reading about his life, that I realized that um, my only duty from now until my release is to become more so I can give you. Absolutely. Right? And to I, become and more to give you. I love that. You know, I pray and um, and I always ask God for more because I said the more that I have, the more I have to give. You know what I'm saying? I don't ask for more just to obtain more to have for myself, but I pray for the abundance because there's an abundance of people that need help. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And Absolutely. Do you remember when we were at JCS, the uh, rec director's name? Yeah, your, Dreyer. Your, Mr. Dreyer, the greatest teacher of all, huh? I mean... Do you remember that? Yeah, I do remember. remember that when I told him. And when you... Oh, and we were next to... We were standing next Yes, to we were in the same line. I remember yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah, he... He was old. You, yeah. You even thanked him and everything. And he was, he was a, a stickler. And he had the answer for everything. He, you know? he, he was he was a corrupt he was a corrupt uh, 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 um, official mm -hmm. in, in terms of trying to um, he would he, he lied on rig I mean he would lie on on, on, on prisoners um, to entrap them try to get them locked up but so he gave me a, a really hard time and and the truth truth be told we live in a world of polarities and what that means is for example for North Pole to exist so so must South Pole right mm -hmm. right so 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 for those for you to have people that love you, so too must you have people hate you. Yeah. Absolutely. And so so we had that gift about us at Jackson Prison, and, and half the staff loved us and the other half hated us. Mm -hmm. And so the, Mr. Dreyer was in, in the group that hated us. Mm -hmm. And so I remember the last time that it was my boss, my direct supervisor, was good friends with Dreyer. And that's what really prevented Dreyer from ever doing uh, crossing the line with me. However, mm -hmm. my boss... Um, 
uh, uh, um, uh, Chad Guthrie. My relationship with Chad Guthrie, I think, uh, served as Mr. Guthrie, I remember. a shifting point in my development in relation to us versus them. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it, we really developed a good friendship. It was him. It was him that recommended I get my good time back. But it was also him that that led me down certain uh, epiphanies. For example, um, he was the one that explained to me Dreyer is my greatest teacher. And so when I realized it, like, if you change the way you look at something, what you look at changes, mm -hmm. right? Absolutely. So, so, so instead, yes. so you were, I remember you were next to me and he came and he says, uh, he, he got in my face and he says, well, are you angry? And I was very calm. I said, absolutely not, sir. I said, I'm, I'm thankful for you. I said, you're the greatest, <laughs> I said, you're the greatest teacher I've ever had in my life. He goes, teacher, what do you mean? I said, you, sir, teach me how to deal with unreasonable people. Absolutely. He was never unreasonable again. And, and and it's crazy because you said somebody had planted that seed in you where you had yeah. that new perspective of it. And then you shared it with me and then changed my perspective and of I, it. I forgot you were and, even there. And I started to feel more like a giant because now I had more awareness. I had more restraint. I had more understanding. I had more patience. You know what I'm saying? And I really took pride in that because, you know, he ran me through a test. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? He and, 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 and I did. Yeah, I, I did. I, I could not believe And I mean, you he came so at long. me from every different right. angle of talking about Mexican people, talking oh, about this, yeah. that, and the other. Yeah. I maintained my composure. I spoke to him like a gentleman the whole time. Yeah. And and he wanted to see what I was made of, bro. And I showed him that I was you built did. to last, no, my real, dog. And ever since that day, bro, he never said no to me about anything, bro. You know what I'm saying? I totally forgot about that. Memories, yeah. man. This... It's um, you know, it's mind boggling to think that, you know, I used to I used to sit there and email you and, and, and I knew you were gonna do great things and and, and, and that's what life's about. It's it's process. Mm -hmm. It's process and, and, and one thing that I learned um going through that twenty year prison sentence that as long as you don't quit you win. Yeah. As long as you don't quit you win. Mario, a lot of people can't really fathom what it's like to go into an environment like that at the age of 16, you know what I mean? Like, um, you know, can you share that experience? Absolutely, Absolutely. I, I was blessed and fortunate to actually uh, write a thesis, a published thesis on it at uh, Wayne State when I uh, got my bachelor's in accounting. But, um, you know, to what, we, what we've learned through research and empirical data, obviously, uh, is that it, placing a youth that has yet to physiologically mature, right, um, changes the, the very uh, chemical brain makeup and how, they, how, they, how we process uh, stress, how we respond to stress physiologically. And then you throw in the social makeup. This is an environment that resolves all challenges, right, with, with aggression and violence. Yes. So, so when you're placed in an environment that is, is basically you're on guard, Right, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, mm -hmm. and, and and you start that at a young age, it, it 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 not only changes how your brain processes information and how it responds chemically, but it also shapes and frames how you respond socially, right? How yeah. how 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 you how you evolve socially, mm -hmm. or or should I say, uh, uh, devolve? Because we're talking about uh, an environment that is extremely primitive. Right? So yes. it's not really evolution per se. So, so, but when you talk about now for 10, 20, 30 years like we're doing with, mm -hmm. with unfortunately treating 15, 16, 17 year olds as adults, 
Now we're talking about breeding terrors, literally. Yeah. And, and now we're talking about breeding terrors. So, for example, one researcher came out recently with uh, with research saying that when when a a a juvenile is placed into an adult prison setting, they have to raise the level of aggression and violence above that of the people around them. So much so that they have to became, become a conscious sociopath mm. if they are to successfully survive, mm -hmm. not, not just physically, but, but mentally, yeah, mentally and emotionally, mm -hmm. successfully survive the, the, the long-term confinement with, with adults, they literally have to become conscious sociopaths. So what that means is basically in layman's terms, you got to become something that you not only don't want to become, mm -hmm. but you weren't designed to become. Mm -hmm. and, and so becoming that, not losing your true self mm -hmm. in that. Yes, because there's so many people who get lost in there, bro. How many people did we see turning into mummies, zombies, taking meds, giving up, gambling every day, finding companionship sexual, with other men? Sexual promiscuity. Uh, you know, all these things that people try to utilize to fill that void in their lives. You know what I'm saying? To find some type of contentment, some type of comfort. I tell people all the time, like, everybody survives, but everybody doesn't survive the same. You know what I mean? That's very true. You know, um, everybody survives, but not every everybody, mm -hmm. I think, uh, successfully survives. Right? Mm -hmm. right? Absolutely. So, uh, one thing, a lot of people are just getting by. Right. So one thing my uncle um, uh, always pointed out when he'd come visit me, my, my father has four brothers. My, my uncle Albert, he'd say, you know... Um, and even especially at the end, he'd highlight you never lost yourself. You know, and, and what I want to stress is that that wasn't my doing. Mm -hmm. That wasn't my doing. That's, I, I attribute that to, to to the love and the nurturing that coincided the pain and the trauma. Mm -hmm. For sure, yeah, no doubt about it, man. And um, you know that uh, you know that place is where boys become men. You know. People grow, they grow physically. It's, it's, bro, I, I met virgins in prison. I knew about three guys who had been in prison since they were, you, 15, yeah. 16, and never had even been with a woman before and already had 30, 35 years in. Yes. Imagine the trauma that, yes. you know, that they, they have gone through yeah. where they've even went through identity crisis. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Not even knowing. The, the, the very, the very uh, uh, nature of, of prison under the 13th Amendment, let's keep it real, it's, it's slavery, right? Uh, slavery is abolished except those brandished a felon. With, with, let's go a little step further. What's the what's the what's what's the 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 main factor in in allowing uh, slavery or the concept thereof to persist and to be successful is to strip the very identity of the slave. Absolutely. Right. Prison number, blues, all the mm -hmm. same. Mm -hmm. we, so, so especially as a young a youth entering an environment that strips, tries to strip you from your identity and mm -hmm. break you mm -hmm. to, to be dependent upon them, mm -hmm. to only be pushed out and be called to be independent. However, to be successful in life, one must be interdependent. Mm -hmm. Interdependence meaning how I relate to others, mm -hmm. right? Absolutely. Yeah, no doubt about it, man. Um, I, I just, uh, you know, I, you you were very studious, and and while we were in there, all we were do every day, every day, Monday through Friday, we were in class. We were doing two classes a day. 
facilitating anger management, parenting, critical thinking, creative thinking. Uh, uh, are, are you an assertive? Are you a, aggressive? Are you a passive aggressive communicator? I mean, you name it. Like we were, we were in the trenches of things, and um, we were dealing with youth. We were dealing with with grown men. We were dealing with long-term gang members, long-time drug dealers, long-time drug addicts, alcoholics. Like you think, and you know all of the above, and um, you know just to see how how a place that was supposed to break us down actually helped us fulfill our purpose, find ourselves. You know, we matured mentally, emotionally, spiritually physically and and i was so grateful because i said it's people that live a lifetime and never never reach that point in their life of 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 of, of enlightenment you absolutely, know what I'm saying? absolutely absolutely um that's that's one thing that i was forever grateful for is 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 to be given me space and the opportunity like you're talking about once upon a time in 2005 and six I was I was asked to teach a, a, a group of, of youngsters anger management, in, in which I was. Mm -hmm. I was very I was known for uh, loaning personal books out and, and teaching on the prison yard. However, they had put in my prison file to not allow an order to not allow me to teach. Wow. It, it, and this was like in 2006, and, and that's it, it, it's very interesting, it, but yet concerning at the same time, right? Because mm -hmm. once again. I don't want to harp on the slavery thing, right? mm -hmm. but teach a slave anything but to read. Mm -hmm. Fast forward, you were speaking about an administration that was led by uh, our Deputy Warden Will Riley, who was very progressive. Uh, very progressive. I, I mean, he was like an uncle to us. He was a good human he empowered being. He, well, that's why they never made him a man. They never I made him so a much warden. love and respect for him. He, he was one of our first board of directors for, for the nonprofit that we started looking. But we, you're talking about fast forward. We were given a space to where not only could we become more, like they trained us in this, then we were able to teach. And, and you end up learning yes. that what you teach, right? And so I think, that, I think that being able to flourish in the midst of darkness, especially, for example, like this COVID situation, right? Um, one has to change, once again, the way they look at something. So, for example, in a place of darkness, you, you, know, you could look at yourself as being buried. Mm-hmm. Yes. Or you can look at yourself as being planted. Both yes. of them, both of them must endure the darkness. Yes. Right. Yes. And it's all about how you look at it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You, you can man. get through it, uh, or you can grow through it. That's a beautiful perspective, bro. Definitely, man. So, um, prior to getting out, like, what was your mission? You know, I mean, it's hard for us. We try to predict the future when we're in there, you know. But I think the main navigation that helped me was making my mind up because there was a point in time as I was transitioning over the years from being bad to doing better to doing good but still having my foot on the other side of the fence to straddling the fence and then you know feeling shame because I I, I felt like um, I had caught another case in prison I got caught with heroin <clears throat> I'm sitting here like I have somebody, I have many people who believed in me, who believed in us, who gave us a chance and an opportunity to go against the stereotypes that we are what we are, we're always going to be criminals, we're always going to think like that, we're manipulators, we're liars and all that. And I'm sitting here teaching meeting, teaching classes, facilitating, and then going over here and selling drugs on the yard. It was a huge conflict of interest. I got caught, which I deserved it. 
And the reason I deserved it and I was able to embrace it is because I learned how to be a man and hold myself accountable. And that's where the main transition made me choose a side. You're either going to do right or you're going to do wrong. You know what I'm saying? And I had devoted so much of my life to doing the wrong thing because it was a once upon a time where I thought I was doing the right thing. But now that I have found myself and found the, um, found the consciousness to know that I actually have the ability to change the direction of my life. Whatever I don't like, I don't have to indulge in. And those things that I do like, I can continue to cultivate about myself. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so once I went through the powerful transitions, bro, like it just opened up the world to me. But the thing about it is I started to feel restless because I had outgrown the environment, bro. I didn't have anything in common with anybody anymore. I'm not selling drugs. I'm not I'm not rotating with the with the homies no more. I'm not holding on to no knives. I'm not making no juice. I'm not running no stores. I'm not doing none of this. I'm not doing time anymore. Right. I'm doing preparations, right? You and know, going I think, through the process. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head too. Like, you know, it's it's kind of like this. Like, before you get a million dollars, like, you become a million dollars. So, like, before 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 you 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 get free, like, you become free. And mm -hmm. so, so you had found me at a space at Jackson where I had became free, mm -hmm. right? I had I had became it before I received it, and mm -hmm. and, and I think in life that's what it's about. Like there's an old, there's an old Native American story about about a, about a, 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 a grandfather telling a grandson that that within every within every person exists two wolves, one is evil and one is good, and and at all times those two wolves are at odds, mm -hmm. and and the grandson asks the grandfather, well, which wolf wins, and, and the grandfather says the one that you feed the most, the one that you feed and so, the most, and so so I, I look at it like this, my brother. I don't look at it as a, as a destination to arrive to. I look mm -hmm. at it as an everyday fight and which wolf, which wolf do I feed? Absolutely. And, and you know what? Being around certain people in social circles, some people bring out the best in you. Some people, people bring out the worst in you. And the thing about it is management. You know what I'm saying? Knowing who you are, knowing what you're made of. I taught a class called Boundaries. Boundaries are important to have with your friends, with your family, even with yourself, you know, and it teaches you how to maintain healthy relationships with people. You know, even if, if you have a conflict of interest or have certain different ideas, you're still able to find some common ground, build healthy boundaries that still make you, uh, that still allow you to have a good uh, relationship with whoever it may be. Absolutely. You know. Uh, before we get back, I want to give a shout out to my brother Pat Bates. I want to give him a good, happy, big, happy birthday for my man. I love you, boy. You know, and uh, you know, I, I love seeing your growth, brother. You know, um, so we're gonna get back to my man Mario Bueno. He uh, sharing his story from 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 uh, trial to triumph, and um, he's got so many accomplishments. And um, I'm just gonna go ahead and let 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 him let you guys have it. Because this brother is very accomplished. I'm very proud to have known this brother and to be working with this brother and having him here with us now. Um, so tell us a little bit about these books right here, Mario. Or or do you got a format um, well, on, on what came first? So 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 this book um, was my first book that came out. Um, Reformed, Memoir of a Juvenile Killer. Now, the original title was Broken, God's Transformative Power Through Pain and Purpose. And I was I was blessed to to land a publishing agreement, 
and 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 it's true story um you know this is about three and a half years after i was home and and i, I sat down with the ceo of this uh publishing company and and his team and he says we love your book um it's it, it's wonderful but we first we want you to write a book without god now mind you the title at the time is broken god's transformative power through pain and purpose mm -hmm. And so that's a cold title. Bro. And, and so true story, <clears throat> true story. I, 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 I told the CEO, I said, with all due respect, I said, if you want a book without God, I suggest you write it. Because if God wasn't in this book, I said, you and a couple people at this table probably would be in a trunk right now. And I'd probably <laughs> see, be seeing how much money you got. Because, because fundamentally, um, you know, God just simply means the source in Hebrew translation. And and literally, you know, you're looking at somebody at 10, 11, 12, used to, used to pray to this God I couldn't see, begging him to save my family from the struggles they were enduring. To, to stop praying at 13 and, and, and pick up the bag and hustle and become angry by 15, becoming a stick-up kid, and by 16, harming individuals, um, money became my God. And so on day four, literally, um, in solitary confinement, facing felony murder or armed robbery. They, I, I didn't know it at the time, but I was on suicide watch the first three days. You know, anyone charged with that kind of crime is placed on suicide watch. I didn't know it. I was in the uh, Oakland County Jail. I was 16 and they couldn't put me with adults. Mm -hmm. So they had me out there out front in, in this older deputy in healthcare. You know, okay. you know those, uh, how they're, they're, they're positive to hold 10 people. I was in the small one, sleeping on the floor first three days. I thought this was gonna be my incarceration. So boom, he's talking to me. After three days, on the fourth day, they put me in the back of healthcare in a single man cell by myself. And I remember being alone for the first time with you know no windows, but I wasn't out in the open like I was initially. So I, I fell to my knees, and I, I still remember like the, like it was you know just yesterday. I give you my word, and, I, and I'm crying profusely. And. and and, and, I, and I literally look up in, in, in the cell and I tell God, had you had listened to, these, to my prayers when I was a boy, this wouldn't have happened. And I, and I literally challenged him. I said, I challenge you. If you save me, I'll spend the rest of my life helping men like myself. Mm -hmm. So I, call, I crawled up on this plastic mat. And uh, mind you, I was a fighter at 16. I used to travel different states. I was uh, fighting uh, close contact, Ishinru. This was during the, you know, the very early days of like UFC type stuff. And so... Ishinru? Yeah, Ishinru. It's a, a Ishinru. style of Gojinru and Shonru. Uh, it's close in fighting. And so I was 165, 170 shredded, right? The first 30 days in solitary, I went down to 145. Wow. I couldn't <clears> even <throat> eat, right? So, so, so on day four, I haven't even eaten yet. I take a bite of a sandwich, I throw up, right? So, and, and so... I went to sleep on the mat. There's no, there's no windows. I don't know what time it is. And I wake up to a loud, and I jump. And I look, and I see the deputy, the door shut. I see that deputy that was talking to me, the old man for the first few days, walking away. And I look on the ground, and guess what it was? It was a Bible. So I got on my knees, and I, I literally took the Bible, and I said, I take this as confirmation of, of our covenant, of our contract. Okay. Right? So, so... Come, come that Saturday, some guy comes, you know, mind you, I'm in solitary, and, and it was good for me. A lot of people say that it was uh, unconscionable what they did to me, but I'm going to tell you something. Had I gone to that juvenile uh, department, uh, juvenile facility in Oakland County, contact visits, 
you know, being with all, you know, I, I wouldn't have been broken in half. That's why I was broken in half and put back together. I needed that. So, so come Saturday, I get called out to the attorney booth. Now, mind you, they don't know what to do with me. This isn't a 10-man cell. This is a health care department. So they take me out to use the phone, take a shower every three days. They, there's no routine. Mm -hmm. So this, this is, you're talking about leaving South Beach, Miami at 16 and stepping into the, the harshest form of confinement. This was worse than IMAX level six because even then you got a routine to come out. Mm -hmm. this is no, they don't know what to do with me, right? Yeah. So, so boom, I, they take me to the attorney booth and, 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 and that's where you meet clergy and attorney. And there's this, this gentleman says, um, you know, your mother came to the church and asked that I come see you. And he hands me a book. And he says, I want you to read chapter one and I'm going to come and give you an assignment, reading assignment every week. And I'm going to come every Saturday and discuss the reading assignment. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> guess what that book was? What's that? The book of Job. Okay. The book of Job. Mm -hmm. So literally I was trained for a year while I was in solitary to, to believe that suffering is for my good. Yes. Yep. You feel me? Absolutely. You feel me? So that Bible that, that landed on the ground, I read that three times in solitary. Mm -hmm. Now, mind you, I prayed every day. And guess what I was praying for? Not guilty, baby. Not guilty, Not guilty baby. Mm -hmm. You feel me? I went through two. I, my first trial was a, a hung jury. Talking about a 16-year-old that was pacing back and forth for five and a half days because the judge keeps sending the jury out as deadline. Imagine that. Kind of, always pray. And guess what? When I got that a guilty verdict in the second trial, I thought my life was over. I, 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 I was broken in half again because I asked God, why did you, why did you show me all this? Like I was reading, I was reading Proverbs, like blessed is he who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly and finds not his rest in, uh, among sinners. But right, but I, I'm reading this stuff and I'm like, why am I reading this now? Why not, why didn't I read this before I killed Samuel? Why didn't I read this? When I was 12, why now, right? So, so when I got found guilty, I, being, I became extremely angry with God. Yeah. And, 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 and I was traumatized in the sense that I no longer ever ask God for anything ever except wisdom and understanding, right? And strength. I prayed for the Our Father and I prayed for the Holy Spirit to use me to expand. But guess what? Guess what? I didn't start praying that again until 26. Because from for, for the first 10 years in prison, mm -hmm. that anger is what, what, what allowed me to survive. And by 26 is when I found myself putting the towel up in the prisoner cell door, getting on my knees, and, and I give you my word, crying to that same guy that I hadn't spoken to for 10 years. You hear me? Yeah. For and you, sure. know, you know what I was telling him? What's that? I, I said, I love you, but I hate every man around me. Wow. Show me how to love you. Mm -hmm. Show me how to love you. And so I went on a journey. Like is this, all this in this book that you oh, wrote? Oh, in this reform. This is yeah. All this. This oh, whole absolutely, story. Absolutely. Well, this, this is the first book you wrote. This is the first. This is the first a book that I wrote. Is it that memoir. detailed? Into yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Is that detailed? I, I I stopped the print of it. I'm gonna tell you why. So the CEO came to visit me, and I told him that the, the vision that God had had given me. And because he wanted the, the I'm, I'm, you know, just like you, like, remember, I was, I think I was uh, your teacher at first and then you became a teacher, but we're the byproduct of a, of a, of a group of men that are greater than us. So, so, so that's what, that's that, the nonprofit that uh, I started with Rick Speck and Cameron Coles, you know, uh, um, that, that's who we hired, all, all the guys from Jackson Cooper Street and whatnot. But my point is, mm -hmm. like, 
So he, they wanted to do a series of reform memoirs, a memoir of, with, with these men. And I told him that's not the vision, guy. Like this ain't, a, this isn't about Mario Bueno. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> right? You feel me? And, and so I explained to him the vision at, at a breakfast meeting. I was working for the city of Detroit mayor's office, and we had breakfast, and he, and he liked it, and he ate it up. And I told him, I, as a matter of fact, I'm already this book, second edition of this. Okay, the second edition, but not with this title. Mind you, this is the only this is the only entails the first three years I was home. Okay, all right, right, yeah. Like like in this book, I was denied at University of Michigan because I was on parole. Like like well, like like before COVID, I was filling in as as a lecturer, and I was administrative assistant for the director, former Judge Shelton for the Department of Criminology and Criminal Justice at U of M that denied me initially. Okay, you understand what I'm saying? So yeah. look look at the difference maker, right? Mm -hmm. So there's a lot more in here. Right. So uh, in, in the second in the second edition. So I tell him that, and he's he's all game. So 30 days go by, and he tells me through an email that they no longer want to back uh, that second edition. That that they they're happy to 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 to, to do this and do that. My point is, I told him, you know, obviously we broke our our our, our dealings and our relationship. Uh, three months later, that CEO was fired, and three months after that, that that company went bankrupt. You know and, and, and trust me, I'm not so audacious as to say it's because of me or because of this or because of that. I'm just simply telling you the history of this book. So I put, I stopped the print. You know, right now it's on it's on it's on I think on Amazon for like fifty dollars a copy, right? I stopped okay. the print. It's a it's and a. What's the name of it? So people. This is reform it. memoir of juvenile killer. Like it's a, like they're selling used editions for like fifty okay. bucks. However, however, the second edition. Of, of this book, which entails four more years in, in, a, in a greater detail, is, is coming out January 22nd, 2022. And that book is titled A Contract with God. Right? Okay. A Contract with God. A True Story of Pain, Prison, and Purpose. And, and That's deep, man. What, 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 you know what I realized, a lot of you? What I, rea what I realized was this. In a nutshell, that's the story of my life right now. A contract mm -hmm. with God. I keep it real. Like mm -hmm. I'm keeping it real. I, I like I came home from the beginning. You said if you do this for me, if you do, I'll do you know, I, I I was thinking about a story when you talked about how you always prayed for wisdom, understanding, and for strength. After so, I was found guilty. <clears throat> after I was found guilty. You feel me? Yeah. My my, my perspective on prayer means to petition, mm -hmm. right? Like it's a legal vehicle to allow a spiritual being to occupy physical space. Mm -hmm. th th this is a kingdom. Mm -hmm. This ain't no democracy, bro. So when he says, I, I shall create man in my image, my our, our image, our likeness, mm -hmm. they shall have dominion of all things. He bound his, his own hands. Like, even God cannot intervene unless you petition him, unless yeah. you pray to him. Yeah. You feel me? So, but that's, a pro that's something that you have to learn how to do. You know, a lot of people pray, but they recite prayers. But when you start to build a connection and a bond with the creator on your own, that personal bond, you like, know, I, like, I, I like, because you, hey. and, 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 you got to have social skills even to know how to talk to look, God look, and man. know how to ask for things. So I used to, I was, I sat down with a Christian guy at Lapeer in level four. And, um, and he was like, I was like, man, I don't know why, man, I pray all the time. He was like, Yo, are you religious? I said, I ain't religious, but I believe in God and I pray. And I said, I don't know why, man. I pray all the time, man. And and, and my life just seems to be hard, rough, and shambles. <laughs> and he was like, well, if you don't mind, what is it that you pray for? I said, well, I pray for strength. 
You know, I pray for strength. And he was like, well, maybe that might be the problem. He was like, he, so he used the example. He said, when you go to the weight pit and you want to get stronger, what do you do? Put a bunch of weight I on I said, I put a, put a so bunch of weight for strength, said, so you're you going to get trials. For strength, you're gonna get God's trials. putting trials, trials, obstacles, challenges. He's it's coming it. at you mentally, emotionally. So I said, wow, like I never looked at it like that. So I learned how to communicate with God. Well, well, I learned well, well, how, always to, remember this. how to be articulate. Remember this. God, God can only bless you. To, to the level of, of the amount of pain you can bear. And yeah. that goes back to that world of polarities. Mm -hmm. To equal every blessing is a burden. You wouldn't need no car insurance unless you had a car. You feel yeah. me? To equal yeah. every blessing is a burden. In addition to that, one thing I love, one of the uh, mo motivational speakers that I think ha has definitely um, added value to my life is Inky Johnson. Right? Inky Johnson says that when life hits him hard, right? When life hits him hard, He's thankful, and, and, and I'm be honest with you, it's weird because I do have this relationship with the Creator, that he's thankful it's not the first time he's he sat down to have a conversation with him. Mm -hmm. You feel me? So I, I, I know and I've come to learn and understand that anytime I'm frustrated with life, the frustration is rooted in, in me not only perceiving the situation wrongly, mm -hmm. right, but me approaching it wrongly. Right. So so so, for example, um, you know, I often say that I am where I am because of who I am. So when I'm faced with challenges in life, I'll be honest with you, I'm very hesitant to really pray for anything from the creator, except, for example, I pray for others health, especially during during uh, serious situations. <clears throat> Obviously, I pray for my daughter and her protection. But really, I focus on literally the our father, but really use me uh, uh the source mm -hmm. like yes, if, yes. If, if i'll give you an example this is this iphone right here right okay this iphone right um this this is in business this is this is a brand that's a logo yeah. right yeah now does this iphone work for mario bueno or does it work for that brand but it works for the brand it don't give up about mario bueno do Absolutely. It? it cares about that brand yeah because if the phone doesn't do what it's prescribed and what it says it is supposed to do mm -hmm. right then the brand value goes down on the mm -hmm. stock exchange right mm -hmm. the brand value go down but if i take this phone right and and i scrub the toilet with it i can't complain that it doesn't work right <laughs> so 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 often what we're doing is we're using ourselves and 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 basically using ourselves as a, a toilet brush and then complain to the world that 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 it's not working right. You feel me? At the end of the day, this phone works exactly before before they put that brand. They tested the phone. They tested that the battery worked before all that. Before before they put that brand, they made sure it worked exactly how it's supposed to work, right? Mm -hmm. So 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 too, I look at it like this: before we were even conceived, before, like we were already predestined to work. Okay. Like, like, like yeah. we have our brand, like, like it ain't even about us, my brother. So when, when we talk about a uh, prayer and I hope God is and look, it ain't even about, with all due respect, I, I don't mean to offend nobody, but it ain't about, oh, God loves me. No, no, no. God's about expanding his kingdom. Just like that parable where he gave one, five coins, one, two, and one, one, and the guy with the one uh, buried it because the king is, is a very harsh king. He chopped his head off and split up with the guys that were flipping it. Like, like you were designed 
to flip. You were designed to expand, to create. He, he didn't give us a chair. He gave us a tree. We, feel were, me? we were designed to produce. To produce, to work. To, work. to produce. To work the garden means actually in Hebrew translation, to become, to yeah. manifest. To manifest who you are. Mm-hmm. So at the end of the day, like when we were talking before this podcast, you said, well, I'm just going to, you know, I'm just, I'm trying. You said, I'm trying. And the music was too loud for me to explain to you, no, are you doing? Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of people right. that try. Yeah. You doing. And terminology and it, and makes that much of a difference. My brother, because you know? the way you, hey, look, the way you and talk the, to yourself is very Yes, huge. absolutely. Self-talk is huge, sure. you know. Yeah. Like, like, like you, you, you ask. And you're right. I am doing. You doing. I am doing, bro. And that's, and that's how you have to talk and to yourself. it feels good to do. And, and a lot of people always ask me, like, you, you, we talked before, you said, what's, what's the future look like? What's the plan? I'll be honest with you. Every day I wake up, it's like I'm just sweet, swinging at that big old oak tree with, with, with a handle axe. Like just a, a, a small little axe. And so every day I'm just trying to knock that oak tree down. But guess what? Mm-hmm. It's never going to stop. It's never going to fall because it's a constant process that you got to you got to grow in love. You got to grow to the point to where you love the process mm-hmm. over the prize. Did you ever know Gancho? Yeah. Gancho did about 52 years or something. He ended up passing away in prison, man. Yeah, I knew Gancho. That brother, man, I, I, I believe he was from Saginaw or something, man. Um, he taught me some good, some lessons too. He said because he had been in prison since they used to let him box back yeah. in the day. Yeah, yeah, they had boxing teams. And, and he yeah. said, "Bro, I knocked a lot of guys out, and I didn't got my ass kicked too a couple times." He said, "But I'll tell you what: no matter how much ass I kick, there was always somebody in line wanting to kick my ass." You know what I'm saying? He said so because he's seen how I was always moving and into things, and he was like, "Trying to give you a warning." He's like, "I'm telling you right now, bro." He was like, no matter how much blood you shed, there's always going to be somebody there to call you a bitch. You know what I'm yes. saying? He said, you can't go around killing and fighting everybody. Everyone that you call a bitch. You know so what there's I'm a truth. Tr- and, and, and it shows how much the word, how you, much the power fact that you give brought, to The a fact term. that you brought this up, the fact that you brought this up, is, 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 I think is important for me to bring the story up. So Chad Guthrie, my direct supervisor, right? So I was a clerk. And just to show you how important education is, I had earned my associate's degree, thankful to my father. And... um. That put me at the head of the list for the position of clerk that pays you $60 when guys that scrub toilets get like 25 a month. I get 60 a month. Mm-hmm. So let's, let's, you know, let's, uh, uh, let me qualify that. It's 60 a month, right? <laughs> so the point is this, though. So, so, I had, so my, my, my initial boss was on sick leave, and so I'm training different staff. Now, mind you, it's just, like, it's just like Shawshank Redemption, right? I do all the work on paper. I give it to them. They punch it in the computer. And they do whatever they do all day. They, they don't, you know what I'm saying? They don't really do. So this Chad Guthrie, I had just met him. Um, he was, fi- was going to fill in for my boss who was sick. And so I trained him for the first few days. And, it, it, you know, there was other staff members that would come around because they were friends with him. He's a very charismatic guy. He worked the front, front desk. I didn't know him. So that third day, you know, finally he got comfortable. The, his, his buddies left because we're in the school building. You know, the guys that worked in the other offices and they left and he said mark go ahead and shut that door and then so i shut the door and he goes uh, why don't you go ahead and empty that garbage out bitch <laughs> so my head snapped at him real, real my head snapped i don't even know this guy mm-hmm. he just had me close the door so my head snapped and i looked at him and i'm looking at him and this is the first time in my life i'm faced with this situation mm-hmm. to where like literally Everybody who has called me that word, I've tried to kill. You know what I'm saying? Because in prison, that's the code of conduct. 
Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. you, you allow someone to disrespect you like that tomorrow, you're going to probably be washing the underwear, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. But this is a staff member. Like this. So, mm-hmm. so I, I look at him, and he, and he sees me. He goes, oh, you don't like that word, bitch? And he says, excuse my language, everyone. Mm-hmm. And he says it a couple more times. He goes, Mario, yeah, I looked at your file. He goes, yeah, you can't kill everybody. He goes, you know what you're going to learn, Mario, from me? He's, you're gonna, he said, you're going to learn that life when you get home because you're going to go home soon one day. He goes, life is going to treat you like a bitch. <laughs> so, 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 so a week and a half later, I'm the special activities clerk. You want a haircut? You want to work out? You got to go through me, right? So I used to always get my haircut. I'm the first one because I want clean trimmers. And I'm sitting there in the barbershop chair waiting for my boss to come because he's got to open up the the tools, you know, the tools for the barbers, and there's guys waiting. And he's got his back to me. He's opening the, uh, the, the toolbox. I said, I said, what's up, bitch? In front of, every, in front of everybody. And, and every, his yeah. head snapped and his, and his face turned real red. And he started laughing real loud. He goes, now you're getting it, Blaine. <laughs> now you're getting it. That's the, that's the guy that got my good time back. My, hey, check this out. Fast, fast forward. I graduate from the University of uh, uh, from Wayne State University. I get appointed to the Michigan House of Representatives, right? And so I get appointed there, and so I'm in Lansing, and he's working for MSI now, and he wants to have coffee. So I, I'm, I'm I'm in a nice nice suit. I got I got my overcoat, and we're having coffee. And he's got his cup and he's sipping. I was like, is that coffee good, bitch? <laughs> Excuse my language. The point is, is the point is, is that he almost spit his coffee out and his face turned pitch red. And he goes, I almost forgot that day. I said, I've never forgotten that day. Yeah. I've wow. never forgotten that day. Yeah. And literally, Because it get, made the biggest impact. It was huge. Yeah. It, 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 it was it, huge. It broke down a barrier for It was you. huge. You talk... Like, like it was huge for me. And, and, and how much power we give to that word. Oh, oh, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. To, to the point where we think that it's okay and justified to kill you or hurt you, you try to for kill, using right, the word because like you that. Because my ego is harmed. So tell us about your educational journey, you know, a little bit. You said you got a degree at Wayne State. What did you get in, in a degree in? Well, I was denied at University of Michigan um, because of pro status. And I was denied at uh, the School of Social Work at Wayne State because of my, my, my case. And then so I got accepted in the School of Business and I ended up uh, getting my degree in business uh, with a concentration in accounting. And, and I was, that, that was a, a, a phenomenal experience, which positioned me really to be able to, I think, uh, uh, pursue a more social entrepreneurship type path. Okay. Right, because at the end of the day, I'll be honest with you, there's a reason why, you know, Jesus turned five loaves of bread and two fish to feed 5,000. Because if their stomach's growling, then I can listen to anything. So at the end of the day, if you can't uh, provide a space for our population that are plagued and challenged, uh, you know, uh, through a systemic uh, uh, disenfranchisement to employment, um, if you can't allow for a space for guys to put food on their table, it doesn't really matter what you say to them, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, absolutely. So, so that was uh, well, Wayne State University. After that, I got recruited by uh, um, Aaron Kinzel, who's the director of Youth Justice Fund. Uh, and a professor, uh, Alio. I just spoke to him the other day. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's my. We're yeah, going to get, get him me. as a guest on oh, the show. Oh, he was just texting me. I should have told him I'm yeah. on your show right now. Aaron T. Kinzel, what's up, boy? Yeah, yeah. Aaron Kinzel, he he served as a youth uh, um, 
is the director of a Youth Justice Fund right now, which we're servicing uh, a juvenile uh, lifers who are returning to the community mm -hmm. after a, a, an extensive amount of time in prison. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so I'm finishing right now, literally, the last two classes of my master's program at the University of Michigan in criminology and criminal justice with a concentration in public administration. And so, so, so I, I get to finish that up. Um, I, I take the master's essay course in the fall. I graduate in December, uh, God willing, and then so I'm applying for doctoral programs. That's uh, I'm, 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 I'm hoping uh, to, to be able to get into a program, either, either educational leadership, it should be how we are teaching our children, but how we should teach our children. And, and, and you're also still uh, active in the community because you're part of Ceasefire, right? Well, actually, I'm, I'm also a service provider for Ceasefire. Um, I'm blessed to, and humbled to, to be a part of that. Uh, which and, and, is that's a, and that's a huge thing because you got to be involved with the community. You got to be involved with, you know, with the with the with the people who are violent, with the leaders, with the leadership. So, so right. So I've been assigned to District Six, um, which which hopefully will expand the team there, and, and is focused on 13 to 26 year old uh, uh, gang involved youth and young men. Um, uh, gun violence, re reducing thereof. Uh, I think our impact has ha has been uh, somewhat uh, delayed because of this COVID situation, mm -hmm. but, but we're really we're ramping back up. I'm a service provider also for my new company, um, Transformational Training LC. So we're, so we're a service provider for for the ceasefire for for Youth Justice Fund, but also for the Michigan Public Health Institute. Uh, which what, what is that book about? The, the, well, this this is actually just a, a, a notepad in which I give. To, to any of the groups that I go do workshops in front of. So okay. I do transformational uh, training type workshops for juvenile prison reentry. Okay. So so when I first came home, it was focused solely on the youth, right? Okay. And I have a, a, a youth workbook coming out. Which is what I do for work as right, well. Right, exactly. This one's Remembering Your King Within, Restoring the Male's Rite of Passage for Interpersonal Success. This is still in the editing stages. Uh, this was the first edition during the COVID situation, which uh, helped me launch the Transformational Train LC. And, and this was the first edition that landed uh, the, the agreement as a service provider for Michigan Public Health Institute, which is uh, um, the actual, their client is the state of Michigan for all juvenile prisoners returning. This is the second edition, which is being looked at by a couple agencies that includes employment readiness um, and really just now focus more so on, on helping reintegration now that we are, have somewhat mastered reintegration. Okay. My man, that's a lot. That's a lot of information. That's a lot of... What's that? Where can we get that? You oh, can yeah. actually get this from Amazon right now. There's an there's a, a, um, actual e-book and, and, and a hard copy book. It's really good for uh, family members uh, There's uh, to be able to become familiarized with the inherent and natural challenges um, in re, re, for, in, during the reintegration process. And, and that's something that I felt... And, and you wrote these. You wrote yes. this curriculum. You wrote these books. Well, yeah, th this, this book is really... Yeah. These uh, are written by Mario Bueno. This is aimed at literally... Uh, I'm hoping to get it in the hands of guys coming home mm -hmm. and, um, and women uh, 90 to 180 days before they come home. Right? Mm -hmm. So, so th I put into this book everything I wish I would have known you know, before I came home. Mm -hmm. So you're a father as well, right? Ooh, hardest hood I know is fatherhood. <laughs> without a doubt, hardest hood I know. Yes, I'm, I'm, I'm fortunate to have a, 
uh, a daughter who'll be five in a couple months. What's her name? Uh, Cecilia. Cecilia, how you Cecilia. doing, mamas? Yeah, Cecilia. Um, she she's definitely uh, my new why. I, I learned I learned I learned through becoming a parent that you definitely will always do more for another than you do for yourself. Yeah, you know, no doubt about it, man. Absolutely. You know, what 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 is one thing that you want her to learn and to be able to apply? From here on out for the rest of her life, if there's one lesson. The, 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 the one lesson that I try to instill in her day in and day out is that we don't get what we want. We, we get what we are. And so, you know, she's, she's, she's very spoiled. She's, she's very, uh, uh, you know, coddled. So, so unfortunately, when you are spoiled, you don't, you don't learn the natural inherent law of reciprocity. Like what you give, you'll get, right? And what you don't give, you won't get. Right. Yeah. So, 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 I definitely uh, uh, try to instill in her um, every day and all day because she does go to school, and I, I'm blessed to be able to take her to school every day. That's um, I, I, to, sure. to 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 show love to everyone, and and I always tell her she's very she she's I see strength in her. Mm -hmm. So I tell her I say you're you're stronger than everyone else. Wow. So you have mm -hmm. to you have to show love to everybody. So you brought an item of sentimental value to share a story about. Yeah, actually, uh, um, it's in my wallet, which I don't know where it's at. It's in my jacket. However, I can just tell you what it is. Okay. If, if, if you want. So it's actually a picture of, of my wife when she was in uh, high school. Okay. And, and, and I, I don't want to show it so be, for her own privacy's sake. But it's a picture of, of my wife uh, um, in high school. I'm going to tell you why. I met my wife literally in passing through my house a couple times and, and, and she had just moved from Puerto Rico and I was 16, she was 18, she had got a scholarship to U of M and I looked at her and I was like, whoa, you know what I'm saying? Like, and so the night that I did what I did, unfortunately in my, in my crime, she was having dinner at my mom's house. So she was actually an alibi witness in both of my murder trials. Wow. I never really knew her. Mm -hmm. Fast forward, I come home, four months uh, out, my buddy uh, uh, Ray takes me to, um, Royal Oak, and we party, and guess what? I run across. Wow. My wife. And so we, we, we uh, connected. She would take me to yoga. She taught me a lot of different stuff, and we got engaged. And, um, you know, it was, a, it was a rocky, it was a very rocky uh, uh, um, beginning. Mm -hmm. And it's just now finding stability. And, and, and one thing I want ev all, everyone to take away, uh, especially those who, who come where we come from, mm -hmm. like, when you get in the in, in in the presence and 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 in the company of those who have not experienced the lowness that we have, mm -hmm. I'm learning that they're not complaining. They're comparing. Like so, what I mean by that is that my wife, when we go into situations and I think that she's complaining, I realize now she's comparing to what she has experienced. We are automatically comparing to the lowest state of, of, of existence <laughs> in the United States. Like, yeah. So we're, our comparison, most stuff is much better than what we've experienced. So we yes. really don't yeah. complain. Mm -hmm. So, so what, I, what I really want guys like us and, and people like us to understand, and, and, and people who haven't been in prison, is that you know, it's not necessarily that, that, that we don't want good things. I think it's just that we're satisfied with, with what we have and with what comes. You feel me? So that's one thing that I think was a big challenge with, in relationships with people who have not been in prison. And I think that's why we gravitate towards, you know, our comfort zone and people who have experienced things that we have because we, we can relate and we can identify. Mm -hmm. 
and we don't complain much. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely, man. So, um, what was the other thing I was going to ask? There's another part that I wanted you to share. Um, damn it, what was it? There was something else that I asked you that I wanted you to share, and I didn't want you to forget about it. Oh, man, that's terrible, man. Well, it was a sentimental picture. Uh, I, yeah, can't, well, I keep that had, in my wallet. Because... Had, oh, it was about, yes, this is one of the most important things What's that, my that was amazing is that your victim, you when you came home, oh, you yeah. sat down with his son. So, 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 and, and, yeah, you know, the, that's amazing, bro. The, but the, the true story is that, and so, Rick had told me, Rick Speck, what's up? So, so true story, uh, um, my victims, uh, Sam, Samuel's girlfriend at the time was on the phone when, when, when he had received the page, long story short, she testified against me, uh, fast forward, I'm home, I'm in Dallas, Texas at a speaking engagement, I've been home three years, three and a half. And she calls me on Messenger, and I thought it was a different Tracy. I thought it was a Tracy, uh, my buddy's girlfriend, who reached out to me because he was getting out. He was a, a juvenile lifer. And so I answered the Messenger quickly. I said, what's up, Tracy? I was eating breakfast. And she goes, hey, hey Mario, this is Tracy. Uh, uh, um, do you remember who I am? And immediately I said, oh, shit. I said, Samuel's Tracy? She goes, you remember? And I explained to her, I said, I've never, I, I would never forget what I did and, and, and the gravity of, of pain and trauma that I imparted upon so many people. And so she, she, in that conversation, she told me, I just want you to know that I've been watching you for the past couple of years. She, she's a treasury agent. She, she, she works for the, for the uh, treasury department of the state of Michigan. And so she says, I've been watching you for the past couple of years. And I want you to know that Samuel will be very proud of you. Oh. So boom, we, we, we connected. She ended up becoming part of the luck team. We were trained in restorative justice practices. That's how deep it is. My my, one of my victims was on her, is is trained as a restorative wow. justice practitioner with her. Come out, come to find out, she served as a a, a a substitute teacher, and she had taught Samuel's son, who was four at the time and now twenty seven, and so they had a, a somewhat connected relationship. And he found out that she was communicating with me, so he reached out to her and chastised her significantly. She kept telling him, "You just need to talk to him." Thought referring to me, you just need to talk to him. So I remember I'm driving home. It's the year that I was appointed by the mayor's office, uh, Mayor Duggan. And I was driving home, and it was a Mother's Day. And I was trying to get home to prepare breakfast for my wife. And, and, and he calls me. And I pull over, and we talked for a straight hour and 50-something minutes. I'm screenshotting, I'm screenshooting the... The phone call to explain to my wife who I'm talking to because she's so angry that it's Mother's Day. And so in that conversation, we found we found a sense of peace, you know, and he, wow. had told, he told me, he says, Mario, I want you to know that my father will be proud of you and, and you better never stop. So it was from that conversation that led to him wanting to meet. Mm -hmm. um, I wanted to be in a safe place, you know, so so I was uh, blessed to have, I have a good relationship with the uh, city councilwoman at large, Janae Ayers. Mm -hmm. And it just so happened to be on the day that I was appointed and I started my position that she held a meeting up in the Coleman Young building um, where I met where I met Anthony. And I sat across from him and and after what we hugged, you know, and, oh, and, man, we, really and we found a sense bro. of peace. And, and it's nothing that I've done. Trust me, it's it's the spirit in him. Yeah, it's absolutely. the spirit in him, you know. Yeah, you know, you know, the creator puts all the pieces together, bro. You know, you know that one and, of the and I, I hope that one day I could I could share that experience with you know Michael Conda, 
you know, uh, Michael Connor, who was the victim in my family. I mean, in my case, I'm sorry. And, um, you know, he was 17 years old when he was murdered and he had a child on the way. Wow. I believe he had a son on the way. Wow. And, um, you know, I've always thought about what his son would turn out. Well, to I, be I can tell you this, like, you know, one, one of the biggest, you know, uh, missions that I have is in, in transforming the criminal justice system is that, you know, I don't believe our community needs um, further separation. Mm -hmm. Further, for, further us versus them type scenarios. Uh, you know, we, the community doesn't need retribution. What it needs is accountability, mm -hmm. but also uh, 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 a change in the in the offender's behavior, mm -hmm. right? Right. Yeah. With with a sense of restoration. Mm -hmm. Like we cannot pit victim versus offender indefinitely because what what what, what naturally and inherently occurs. Right. If you if you never become whole, if there's not a process of restoration for the victim and there's not a process of restoration for the offender, because let me tell you something, you know, not being able to say I'm sorry to your mm -hmm. to, to, to really say I'm sorry, not really be able to, to understand uh, um, that 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 forgiveness has been found. A sense of equi equitableness has been found in, in, in the ones that you harm. What it does is it, it leaves a brokenness in both victim and offender. And, and that carries on for, for decades mm -hmm. on end, right? And so you have uh, an offenders, offenders who are coming home that have never really been restored. Mm -hmm. like they, they've been held accountable in the sense that, yeah, they did their prison time. Mm -hmm. But to sit down and find some sort of sense of restoration and healing with the ones that you harm the most, I think is a pivotal process of really, really healing our communities and, 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 and putting a, a stop and, and, and at least a, a dent into the continued recidivism and continued uh, uh, violence uh, on the community. I do what I do. I give you my word. It's not because I love uh, returning citizens, but it's because I, I don't want any more Samuels. Mm -hmm. That's why Absolutely. I do what I do. Ladies and gentlemen, this is my brother from another mother. This is Mario Bueno. Probably, we've reached a point in the show where you're going to sign this wall. Thank you, brother. I'm proud of you. I'm happy for you. No, I'm happy for us, brother. This has been an episode of Real Everyday People, part of the El Nino Podcast. Check out the El Nino Podcast live on Facebook every Monday night at 9 p.m. Eastern. And for full episodes, the El Nino Podcast is available on Facebook and YouTube.